Hello and welcome back to Ramblings for Nowhere, a extra special episode that I'm bringing to you this week because I thought, well, during Halloween, I should call up one of the two leading experts that I know in the field of horror movies and have them on the show. A, because of that, and B, just because I wanted this dude back on the show because we haven't talked in a long time. I would like to welcome Mr. Derek Zuaschiani back to the show. Derek, how have you been? Always some mother effer trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. It's good to hear your voice. How are you? I am here. Uh, this is my second podcast in two days. No, yeah, in two days. I did one last night. Uh, yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm about to go camping for the rest of the week and I wanted to get this in because okay. I, I know that we have been trying to get together for uh, quite a while now and our original plans were to and we're still going to do this one of these days we're going to do our massive uh, retrospective of the uh, MCU uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe but uh, until then I thought we would talk Blade Yes. So, before we do that, though, Derek, I have a couple questions for you because I haven't talked to you. Okay. In a long, Lay them off. I haven't talked to you in a while. So, first of all, let's go into wrestling just a little bit because okay, I don't watch that much anymore. We've talked about this before. I don't like the, where the product's been or anything like that. And people are wondering, well, why do you have a horror expert? Which, by the way, I did not mention from the podcast. Saw something scary. Which, if you're not listening to, you should. It's excellent. Uh, anyway, why would you have him on here and then talk wrestling? Well, that's because this is actually a little bit wrestling or horror related. NXT or next is bringing back the Halloween Havoc pay-per-view thoughts. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to be, uh, as dead honest with you as I possibly can be. I have stopped watching all WWE programming, even NXT. Yeah, man. Um, AEW has my heart Mm -hmm. and I, uh, I feel like the Vince McMahon, uh, this may be hyperbolic, but I feel like the Vince McMahon has ruined NXT. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just not, it's just not as fun as it used to be uh, for me. So I've just gotten, I've, I've gotten to the point where I, this is, this is the extent to where I keep up with it. Um, I still read the news about it on Cage Side News, and I watch uh, recaps uh, from a thing called Ups and Downs with WhatCulture.com on YouTube with their host Simon Miller and Simon Miller makes uh, all my wrestling content more fun. So I'll watch that uh, the day after like the raw and SmackDown and, and uh, pay-per-views and stuff. But as far as it goes, man, I just, I Vince McMahon has turned into such a <sighs> cretin. I guess that's probably the best way to, to put it and keep it PG. Um, but just like with the, the edicts that he's passed down with like, hey, wrestlers can't do cameo anymore. Hey, they can't do Twitch anymore. Oh, well, hey, yeah, now they can do Twitch, but we're going to take all their money. We're going to give them some of it, but the the money that we give them is going against their downside guarantee. So like these guys weren't making – I mean they're not millionaires making money off Twitch, but they were making respectable amount, and now, and now it just goes – it's just part of their salary instead of like an add-on. Uh, so I've just gotten to the point where uh, I've canceled the WWE Network. Um, I, I just really? I feel like that. Yeah, I feel like I can't support Vince with my money anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
um, just because he's being underhanded and and uh, sneaky. And so, um, God bless him. More power to him. I think it's kind of shady that they're they're bringing back Halloween Havoc and they're doing it on a Wednesday night when they know that you know Dusty Rhodes' kids are mm-hmm. on the you know on, on another channel. But hey, they own it, so you might as well use it to your advantage. Um, I will say this: that if if NXT does halfway as good with Halloween Havoc as they did with In Your House, which they did uh, mm-hmm. during the COVID situation, if if it's half as good as that, then I'm sure it'll be good. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, I probably won't watch it, and that sucks too because. Uh, sorry, I'm rambling. Um, oh that's what we're here that, for. <laughs> yeah, it sucks because like. Two of my two of my probably top three favorite wrestlers are Adam Cole and Finn Balor, and I like I can't even really get the gumption to watch those guys anymore mm-hmm. just because I have to drudge through a bunch of dreck on NXT that I don't want to watch just to get to Adam Cole. The, the last the last NXT I watched was was when Adam Cole and Finn Balor wrestled for the NXT title, and that was a great match. But then after that, I couldn't. I didn't watch anymore. Well, that surprises me. I did not expect that. I knew you had um, really cut the watching time, I guess, down for the whole WWE product, but I did not know that you had uh, completely quit, gone cold turkey like I did. Yeah. I mean, uh, AEW – Takes care of me, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, on Tuesday nights, which I, I didn't get a chance to, to watch it tonight, but on Tuesday nights, the, the NWA kind of has an affiliate. I think it's called the United Wrestling Network. Yes. Uh, and you can watch that on Fight TV for, I think, like $7 or something. So, uh, sorry. It, no, go ahead. Is So, okay, you know, we've talked before. Uh, we're not going to. We're not going to let this devolve into a wrestling podcast, but one day we'll do that too. But um, yeah. I do want to ask you because I've talked of my love of NWA after you had recommended to me before the NWA Power Show on YouTube. So how mu- how much was it again? Seven dollars, six ninety nine, or something like that. Seven ninety nine. I think so, man. Yeah, it's- like seven ninety nine. You can bundle it. You can do like four episodes at a time right. for I think for like twenty five bucks. So is it worth? the price of admission let me put it that way yes so there are a lot of wrestlers on on so i i've only bought the first two Mm -hmm. uh because after that like i've been at work and stuff um there's a lot of wrestlers that i don't know but there's a lot of wrestlers that are finally getting a chance to shine you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and uh and then it's always anchored by like an nwa title defense so the first episode had uh Nick Aldis, who's probably one of my top ten favorite wrestlers in the world right now. Uh, Nick Aldis against um, Mike Bennett, uh, who was who was Mike Kanellis in the WWE and was released during all the COVID stuff. Uh, and it was it was a great match, hard hitting. Uh, you know, Aldis isn't the most flashy guy. Like he's not Kenny Omega, he's not Seth Rollins, mm-hmm. but dude is good. And he wrestles his own kind of match, and and I've really become a fan. Uh, and then the second week, Thunder Rosa defended her NWA Women's Championship. Um, and I think like the third week, Trevor Murdoch wrestled Aaron Stevens, who was the old Damian Sandow, mm-hmm. for 
the uh, North American title, I think. Or something. Yeah, I think I think, I, I think so. Uh, so anyway, like the main events themselves have, in my opinion, are worth eight dollars, you know. Anyway, but then it's it's short, it's concise. I think it's ninety minutes, um, and it's good action. And mm-hmm. you know, of course, they're they're still trying to find their feet, but I think it's a good step in the right direction. Um, and so, if you're looking for an alternative to uh, the WWE, or even for that matter, for AEW, I would I would go with that. Right. So, um, so I'm trying to think the best way to go about this question. Are they okay? Well, here's the first one. Are they are they completely abandoning the uh, power format? Have you heard? Well, I think that they are right now because they just can't the put fans. Right. Yeah. And that's they can't where, put fans and that's, in, the, in the audience. And that was the bread and butter of the show. I mean, other than the wrestling, was having that fan base there. And that, uh, I can't remember where it, was, where it was they recorded at. So, but they've been hurt pretty bad anyway because they had the, well, let's see, the Crockett Cup got canceled. And mm-hmm. uh, didn't their big pay per view get canceled in the wake of COVID as well? I think. Yes. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Thinking. So they. So they were recording at the old mm-hmm. Studio 6, I think it is, yes. in Atlanta, where they used to do WCW Saturday Night. Yes. Um, and and so, you know, they obviously haven't had a chance to do that. Well, then, like you said, their, their Crockett Cup got canceled. The big pay-per-view got canceled. And then in the light of the Me Too movement that mm-hmm. also hit, yes. uh, Dave Lagana, who was their vice president, um, was also saddled with a lot of negative publicity – that came out of the Me Too movement, and uh, and he, as far as I know, he resigned. I believe, yes. And Lagana was, um, I, I tell you, if if you guys want to watch something really cool uh, about the NWA Heavyweight Title, uh, go to YouTube and search the Ten Pounds of Gold, and it's an amazing little docu series that came out weekly that highlighted the NWA World Champion from Tim Storm to Nick Aldis to Cody Rhodes. Uh, back to Nick Aldis, and it just shows like their defenses of the title. You know, Tim Storm's a freaking school teacher, mm-hmm. dude. Like, he's fifty fifty some odd years old and held the NWA title for I think a couple years, and then Aldis finally beat him. But uh, it's a great little thing. Lagana produced that, and of course helped produce uh, Power. So Billy Corgan, the owner of the NWA, uh, yes, that Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, of Smashing Pumpkins doesn't have, you know, his second in command. So I think that also helps, you know, hurts them as well on that. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, as far as I know, the guy who's running the United Wrestling Network is a gentleman by the name of Dave Marquez. And um, Dave Marquez used to run Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, which was an NWA affiliate. Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha. So I don't know if Marquez is actually stepping up to be like the new. Uh, for lack of a better term, showrunner for the NWA or what's going on, you know, internally on that. But I know that as soon as they can, seemingly as soon as they can, power will come back. But it's just a matter of when they can put fans in the stands and and make it profitable for them. Because right. you know they were selling those tickets and they were selling out of those tickets, dude. Like like they would do a taping, uh, like the maybe like a Saturday Sunday of every month or the last Saturday Sunday of every month. And I would try to go get tickets mm-hmm. and could get tickets because they were sold out. Impossible. Yep. Yeah. I had tried, and I think we had actually talked about it once or tra- twice trying to get together and go to one. Or maybe mm-hmm. I just dreamed about us getting to do that, and then it never come because then COVID happened, so all that got thrown 
right. in the crapper. Uh, I was really pumped. I had actually considered trying to get snag some for the Crockett Cup. That may have been what we talked about a little bit. But um, I don't know. I wish them the best. Uh, like I said, um, when you showed me or when you turned me to that and I started watching it and uh, just fell in love with it, I don't know, the old school feel to it and – like you said, being filmed where Saturday night's main event was filmed and just bringing back some of those good memories and having that crowd there that was like totally into the entire product. You know what I'm saying? It was, mm-hmm. uh, it's a good thing. It's a good thing going. So hopefully they'll do good. And of course, AEW is chugging along as always. And then WWE is the corporate machine that they are now. So, um, I don't know. I haven't watched it. I mean, uh, probably close to a year since the last time I watched it with any actual, you know, in, uh, that I've actually spent any time watching any WWE wrestling, which, if you again, if you told me that, you know, five, ten years ago, I would have said you're crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, but I'm with you. I mean, there's wrestlers there I love. Like you said, you brought up Bal- Balor and Cole, um, you know, Sasha Banks and so on and so forth. Uh you know, I was kind of, I, I almost turned it on and then we're going to move on from the 20, we'll call it 20 minute wrestling uh, <laughs> talk, but that's all right. Um, uh, they had finally, you know, done the uh, Sasha Banks, Bailey um, fight that we had been waiting on. I was surprised mm. that Bailey ended up becoming, well, they both been heels for a while, but I was surprised that uh, Bailey stayed heel and. Sasha was the baby face in the whole thing, which it works. Don't get me wrong. I had no problem because I'm like you. I watch it. I watch recaps and just follow the news on it so I know mm-hmm. what's going on, but that's about it. And I don't feel bad that much. You know what I'm saying? It's just one of the yeah. things. I, yeah. I tell you, man, there are some really interesting storylines going on in the WWE that I, I, I wish that I could watch. Like, um, I'm all in on this Roman Reigns heel turn. Oh, yes. Been waiting on it for years. Yeah, Years. and and he's doing it wonderfully, mm-hmm. and you know he and Heyman are, are are great together, and and I did watch Clash of Champions, I, I think because it was like the last weekend that I had the network before mm-hmm. my subscription ran out, so I watched it, and his match with Jey Uso was really good. Um, I love that they've got Alexa Bliss and the Fiend together, and mm-hmm. I think they're doing a great job with that. Uh, I've always liked Alexa Bliss, and I think that she's. Not only is she a good performer, like a good wrestler, but she's a good actress. Mm-hmm. And so this is a real cool, you know, thing for her to sink her teeth into. And then, like you were talking about with um, Sasha and Bailey, that's been, you know, that's been brewing for about a year now. So it's good to see them finally pull the trigger. And all I, all I've ever wanted, Jason, is for Sasha Banks to have a legitimate run as like the top mm-hmm. female in in the company because dang it dude like she was Sasha Banks no joke was what what hooked me on women's wrestling you know in 2014 2015 Um, I have no shame in saying that like at the end of their match their NXT takeover match in Brooklyn in August of 2015 like 30 year old Derek was in tears Mm -hmm. just because it was just it was it was an amazing story they told an amazing story and um, I just don't see the WWE letting them have the freedom to do that, you know, on their on their main show. But man, I just want Sasha. I, I just want Sasha to get all the stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, agree. I, I feel I like agree. I feel like she gets overlooked by uh, Becky and and Charlotte. Notwithstanding that Becky and Charlotte are amazing, uh, but I feel like that Sasha's kind of become the third 
third wheel in the four horsewomen, and I don't like that. No, I agree. And, uh, I agree. So, well, listen, I'll tell. I'm I'm gonna close it out on this. What? Yes. What complete. When I said out, you know, when I said I was done, for sure, was when they broke up the iconics. Just saying. Yeah. I was just like, come on, come on, killed me. Oh, so I'm still yeah. I'm still hurting about that. That still hurts. That was the one of. Okay, so they may not have been the most technically sound team. They may not have been the roughest team, whatever. But, like, as a team that meshed well and worked great off each other and the comedy bits and putting it all together into one package, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Probably probably my favorite tag team, women or men, that I can think of just off the top of my head in the last, what, two, two, three years, I guess, ever since they started their run in NXT, you know? So... Uh, it killed me to see them break them up, and I hate it when they do that. It's just, you know, same thing. See, here we go. It's the same thing. <laughs> I was never on board when they first started doing Cesaro and Sheamus as, as before they were in the bar. Just, you know, they had their best of seven match, and then it turned into a tag team. You know? Yeah. I never believed it, never was a fan of it, and then it finally clicked for me with them, and I thought that was great. I mean, they had it going on. They had the chemistry. They were winning. They look good, and then, you know, boom, let's break them up, which mm-hmm. WWE is notorious for. Mm-hmm. Over, I mean, this is not even, like, recent. This is just, you know, years and years and years. So you can almost always expect it when you get a hot tag team, at some point down the line, oh, they'll break up, you know. They'll take, yeah. they'll take whoever's the hottest at the moment, and that's the one we're going to run with. So uh, kills me. So that's yeah. it, though. No more. We're going to break off wrestling, and then I want to ask you my other question. Okay. It's a, okay, uh, there's actually three parts to it, and they'll be pretty easy to answer. Get your thoughts on them. So, it's Halloween. I'm doing mm-hmm. my spooky Halloween shows. Yes. Clay and I have been going back, and we've been checking out some movies, and I have tried my best to check out movies that I have not watched in a while or have not seen. So far, we've watched Hellraiser 1 and mm-hmm. 2. And the 1977 house. Now, what what are your thoughts? Because I don't know if we've ever talked about Hellraiser before. And I don't want to dive. I don't. I'm not going to do a deep dive because that's yeah. we're here for Blade. But just give right. me your just your your overall thoughts on not the whole franchise because I do not like the whole franchise. I am a fan of the first two, 87, 88, Hell, Hellraiser one and Hellbound Hellraiser two. Beyond that. Not really a big fan of them. Uh, So what are your thoughts on on those two movies? Uh, Buddy, honest to God, I haven't watched a Hellraiser movie since probably the late 80s. Okay. Um, That's fine. Yeah. And I I mean that – I shouldn't have watched them then, and I think that probably scarred me into not watching them after That's the thing. Uh, When we went into watching these two, I had not watched them in years. And Mm -hmm. I, of course, watched the first Hellraiser, and it – it used to like traumatize me because the skinless Frank is, yeah. it was, it was messed up at the time. Still messed up now, but, um, Hellraiser, I think, I don't know if it was oversaturation over time or what, but I think it gets overlooked when you talk. I don't, you know, I don't think it's talked about with the same, uh, uh, reverence, I guess, as uh, not, a, not a Halloween, you know, not a Michael Myers or something like that, but there was a time mm-hmm. when Pinhead 
was spoken in the same breath as a Michael Myers and a Jason Voorhees Freddy mm-hmm. Krueger. You know, he was in that group, but I feel like compared to the other ones, he has, I don't know if it's the quality of these later movies or what, but he's kind of taken a step back as a horror icon. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was just going to get your thoughts on it. It's not a big deal. I I, I didn't know because, I, like I said, I don't know if we'd ever talked about them ever. Because people, I don't know, Hellraiser was 87 and Hellbound was 88. Hellbound's the better of the two, which everybody's already heard this if they've listened before. But I really dig Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Uh, you get a little bit more of a deep dive into the Cenobites and stuff. They're still skinless people and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. uh, it's just a little bit more Cenobite heavy I guess than the first ones so there's that I wanted to ask you that now this other question is this movie we watched last week well it was on Monday's episode House from 1977 have you ever heard of this movie yes have you ever seen it Uh, let me let me look up the IMDB for it real quick it is the most now, most people, when you say house, if they're my age, probably yours too, think of the 85 house. Uh, stand- is it the is it the Japanese, Japanese one? Movie? This is the Japanese one. Okay. Yes. No, I ha- I have not heard nor seen of this movie. Okay, I'm listen. I'm not going to go into details on it again because I'm still I, I'm still processing this movie. It's not really a it's not really a horror movie per se. It's a, it it's billed as a comedy horror movie. It is so over the top. Um, Clay and I both thought of it as uh, uh, it kind of had vibes of a Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, mm-hmm. kind of that comedy horror vibe to it. But this thing is like in its own league. Um, like I told Clay, I would like to I would like to find out if this movie had any if Sam Raimi had seen this movie, and if it you know kind of had an effect on his filmmaking process. Because mm. like I said, I see some I see I, now. I see similarities and maybe more in tone, not not really in like filming. You know the the, the Sam Raimi, you know, camera skirting along the ground and all that kind. You know what I'm saying the, those standard mm-hmm. tropes that come with a, a Sam Raimi movie. So just wondering because man, this movie is like whoo, it's crazy. It's, hmm. it's crazy in a good way though. It's crazy in a good way. So just wanted to ask you on that. So we're done. Yeah. Done with okay. those. I will, I- I will say this, um, and this is kind of a plug for this week's episode of Saw Something Scary as well, but um, if you haven't seen The Haunting of Bly Manor, uh, dude, I'd get on that because it's, it's really good. It's not uh, – spoiler alert – it's not particularly scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has its moments, but it, uh, I think you know it's an it's a anthology continuation of The Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it has nothing to do with Hill House, but it's still in that same family. Um, I thought Hill House itself was scarier. But I, I really have, really did enjoy watching Bly Manor. So we're gonna we're gonna cover the first four episodes this week. Um, and if you haven't seen it, man, I just I, I would encourage uh, you and your listeners to watch it. Uh, Mike Flanagan is uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt my favorite horror director, and uh, he does a great job with uh, with this content uh, on this one. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to dive into and and uh, and get to watch. So. Check that out. I watched the preview today, and the uh, in the preview when she goes downstairs and there's the baby doll sitting on the ground, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she turns the lights off. Well, and then it, it shows another scene. I don't know if it's the same in the same scene or not, but anyway, it shows another scene with a bunch of baby dolls sitting in the corner against the wall and stuff, you know? She turns mm-hmm. the light out, and then one of the baby dolls turns her heads. It's kind of unsettling. Yeah. Didn't scare me, Yeah, but it was unsettling, and I have a bunch of baby dolls that sit around my house now, so now I'm looking out for baby dolls all the time. It's great. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's it's – it's very tense. Yeah. Like the whole thing is very tense. It's not scary, but it's very tense. Like I was on the edge of my seat the entire time I watched See, it. I almost prefer that to just being, you know, scared to death. You know what I'm saying? Like just mm-hmm. constant jump scares and stuff. I prefer that, uh, that unsettling or that, that feeling, you know, on the back, on the back of your neck or in the back of your mind, you know, okay, this is, this is freaking me out in that way. Not in a, you know, jump scare kind of way. I, I think I tend to like that more now than than just being scared uh, out of my pants. You know, scared to death every other minute in the movie. So uh, I need to check that out. I never did watch the first one uh, mm. for whatever reason. I don't know. I think I started watching. Oh, we had more kids. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So that uh, that does put a crimp in all the plans. Okay. Yes, it, yeah. So we're going to move into Blade, but I have my final question because I just thought of it and I asked Clay this every week. Lovecraft Country, are you watching it? And if so, how much are you digging it? And don't give any spoilers because I'm way behind. Dude, I haven't watched it. Okay. Um, I have tried, I've tried to watch the first episode mm-hmm. twice. And I, for some reason, Jason, I just can't, I can't get my, I can't like get into it. Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad show, and I will eventually watch it. Um, but I think it's going to be one of those things where, like, I'm going to have to turn my, like, legitimately turn my phone off, uh, shut my computer off, make sure I don't have my iPad near me, and just watch it. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, man. The, the first time I watched it, I thought it was just super trippy. And I, I, I think I watched the entire episode, but I just I couldn't retain anything from it. And then the second time I watched it, I just kept fiddling with, like, just reaching for my phone, which is never a good sign. Right. Um, so I I will watch it. I just haven't yet. Okay, I want to say this. Uh, and I think I posted, actually, on the uh, SSS board after the first, was it the second episode? I can't remember if it's the second or third. It may have been the third episode. If you'll fight through, it's the third episode. Get through them first ones, first two, which are good. Now, I've read the book, so I kind of had an idea of where it was going. But when you hit the third episode for me is when it really clicked in for me because you finished the first story arc. Of course, this is an overarching story. What it becomes to me is an overarching story with lots of stories set within that within you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. it'll it'll continue it's a continuation each episode of what's happened but there's also a story happening there so like the third one is a haunted house story and man it is awesome it's my favorite episode so far and again though i am mm. i am behind i haven't been able to watch it like i've wanted to just so on and so forth but um i just like to get everybody's feel for it because i think it's unique and i really dig it the um, it gives me that that third episode gave me like we were talking about with Blind Manor that unsettling feeling a lot of the time in the back of my you know on the back of my neck kind of thing mm-hmm. and that one and that's when it really clicked for me 
with the series. And that's when I was I was on board anyway, but that's when I was like, okay, I'm ready now. Let's do this. So, you know. Oh, cool. Uh, I, I'd suggest give it a shot. So, yeah. there's that. Let's move in. We've, we've rambled on for 30 minutes. I'm sorry, but we had to get all that out of the way because we haven't got to talk in a while. So, now we're going to get yeah, down. Yeah, two just two buddies catching up on the world with everybody else listening all yeah i don't know two or three people that listen at this point probably <laughs> but stop it anyway let's move in let's talk about what we're here to talk about let's talk the blade franchise because i thought to myself i want to talk blade who else better talk to this about than Derek? i need my horror expert on here so we're going to do we're not, we're going to do a dive into these. Uh, we're not going to go super deep just because we're going to, we are going to talk about all three of them. Um, we're going to obviously start with the first Blade, which came out in '98. Uh, this is pre MCU, obviously. Um, there had been other Marvel movies before this. Uh, of note, obviously, there was the Dolph Lundgren Punisher, uh, Fantastic Four films, the X Men films. Uh, I'm trying to think what Electra, the Ghost Rider films. Uh, the Ang Lee Hulk was one. So there had been stuff before this. But for me, other than the X-Men, uh, well, no, X-Men actually came out after this. It was 2000, wasn't it? But it was still a pre-MCU. Uh, mm-hmm. But this was the movie, Derek, for me, that felt like a Marvel movie. You know what I'm saying? It felt like, hey, mm-hmm. this is a character, a comic book character that I've, I've known about, I did not read the comic books that much, but I knew about him uh, through reading some Ghost Rider stuff and so on and so forth. But this was the first time I can remember, other than probably 89 Batman, I think. I could be skipping one in there. But 89 Batman was the first time I felt like, hey, you can make a comic book movie. This was the first time I felt like, hey, this is a actual Marvel movie, and it is awesome to me. Mm. So... Um, let's give a little background here just real quick uh, as I said it was this one was made in 98 it was directed by Stephen Norrington written by David S. Goyer uh, he wrote all three movies actually and directed the third one uh, he was also did he write all three of or was he in on the Nolan Batmans well, I'm, I'm getting that mixed up with something else ain't I? yes he was he was what, no I, he was that's what I was thinking yeah so Stars Wesley Snipes as Blade, obviously. Uh, Chris Chris Christopherson was Whistler, and Stephen Dorff was mm-hmm. Deacon Frost. Uh, it come out. It was released on the twenty first. It grossed seventy million U.S. and one hundred thirty one million worldwide, um, and got mixed reviews, but it went over huge with fans such as myself. So. What are your just, Derek? What's just your initial thoughts? Looking back now, were you excited for this movie when it came out? And what was your initial feelings? I guess after after watching it that first time, if you can put that together, I realize it's asking a lot. Sure. No. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, we we reviewed Blade in uh, on Sauce of the Scary uh, maybe about a year ago. So you can find that in our archives um, at sauceofthescary dot com if you want to. Um, another cheap plug for the show. Keep them up. Anywho, I uh, so here's the thing, man. I didn't know 
that Blade was a comic book character when I saw this movie. Now, you got to remember that this was 98. So this was 12-year-old Derek mm -hmm. watching uh, Blade for the first time, um, <laughs> which I, I, I love this story. So my uncle and I rented it. I would go stay with my uncle in Nashville on summer breaks, and my uncle and I rented it in the summer of 1998. Maybe 99. No, I think it was 98. Anyway, it doesn't matter. 98, 99, somewhere in that in that vicinity. Uh, we rent this movie, and it's just me and him watching it. And of course, in like the first 10 minutes of the movie, there's a there's a a, a threesome going on with uh, Donald Logue and, and two ladies, and um, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And I just remember watching that scene and then looking over my uncle and him being like, "Oh, maybe we shouldn't have rented this movie." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was uh, I was enthralled, man. I've always been a big vampire fan, uh, and I, I probably up until the Blade movies, my favorite vampire franchise was the Buffy the Vampire Slayer Angel TV shows. Mm -hmm. And and then when I found Blade, it, it felt like I found my guy. Um, so yeah, so watching this movie, man, I was just enthralled. Uh, I thought that Wesley Snipes did an amazing job, uh, in this thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is the movie, this, out of the three of them, this is the movie that I will quote to this day. Like, as a matter of fact, I opened with a blade mm -hmm. quote, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, uh, which is my favorite blade quote, by the way. Um, so yeah, th this one, man, I mean, this is my feel spot. When it comes to vampires and vampire movies, and uh, matter of fact, I watched this maybe a month ago. Just you know, I bought it on uh, Vudu and watched it just because I, I wanted to have it. I bought it on like you know, I've had it on like VHS and DVD and Blu-ray, but I wanted it on on stream, yep. <laughs> on digital too. I, I totally understand that. I, and and it's that kind of movie. Uh, so yeah, man, this this was uh, this was a big time deal for me. And then to find out, I guess I found out once uh, Del Toro made Blade 2, oh, snap, this is actually a Marvel property. Mm -hmm. uh, I never went back and read the comics, but uh, I always thought it was pretty cool that, like, they finally, in my opinion, they finally got a comic book movie right. They did, and that was, um, like I said, I knew of the character. Uh, I never was real big when it come to, which is kind of odd, uh, comic books, I was more, at, especially at this time in my life, when uh, Blade came out, I was more straightforward superheroes, uh, Marvel or DC. Uh, horror stuff, I was really not into at the time. And really, horror comics have only really started coming back in uh, in the last few years. I'm, it's, I mean, it's been a little while now, but there was a time when horror comics were kind of taboo, at least in the mainstream. Let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. Independence, you could get them easy, but like uh, from the big two at the time, Marvel and DC, uh, really other than like some Ghost Rider, um, that kind of thing, you did not see it. Uh, there was They would try to kind of push into it, but there was a lot of pushback or the companies just didn't give the comics time to build an audience. Uh, you know, it's kind of like TV shows now, you know, 
you got basically one season or you're done, it seems like. Or in the case mm-hmm. of Glow, Glow, you get three seasons. They cancel you anyway before the fourth season, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, we're well, not going to go back Man, we can't it. talk yeah. about that. I'll so, go on. I'll, yeah, I know. Dude, I know. I'll go on such a rant on that. I know. I'm so mad. I know. So, but – so he's talking about the uh, the opening, and that was the part. That's the part in this movie. I I, I love the whole movie. I'm with you. Um, I I think this is for me. Like I said, other than Batman, this is when they nailed a comic book movie for me. I think I'm trying to think yeah. of another, uh, you know, another instance, but I really can't think of nothing other than Batman and Batman Returns because, you know. Then you had Forever and you had Batman and Robin, which I really think kind of killed the comic book movie for a while, especially Batman and Robin. But I think it really killed it. And then, uh, you know, following Blade, you get X-Men and so on and so forth. And then we really, you know, and then the gears really start rolling from there. But um, that opening scene, dude, I I went and watched this at the illustrious Carmack Highland 10 back in the day, me and my girlfriend at the time. And... Dude, I was like, I, I knew it was going to be vampires, blah, 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 but I was not prepared for the R rating this movie really does earn right out of the gate mm-hmm. in that in that opening scene, the bloodbath scene. Uh, and the the music was, like, just thumping, and we were looking, looking at each other like, like, you know, my girlfriend didn't want to go, you know. It was like, why do I want to go watch a, a vampire hunter movie? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then all of a sudden, it kicks in. It's got this killer soundtrack, and everything just clicks right from that bloodbath part. And I think that was the best thing that they did was start it like that, uh, and just let you know right out of the gate, hey, this isn't your typical quote unquote comic book movie. Even in yeah, this isn't this isn't interview with the vampire either. No, no, not at all. And I think that's I think that's the. I think that's what it's got going for it. I think that's the catch, the hook for it, is that and Wesley Snipes. I mean, you can't say enough about Wesley Snipes in this movie. Um, yeah. At the Blade character, uh, he gets it. Uh, he wanted to do this movie at the time, and he pushed to get it. And uh, you know, they it says here that he it's held as one of his signature roles. For me, it is his signature role. I mean, I can think of yeah, you know, I can think of you know, New Jack City, blah blah blah, and I can go on from there. But like. For me, when you say Wesley Snipes, first thing that pops into my mind is Blade movies. Uh, yep, there's uh, I've got two: uh, Willie Mays Hayes, yes, and Blade. Yep, yep, that would be it. The other one that po- uh, what was that one that po- oh Expendables was it two he was in? Yes, that sounds right. But I mean, you know, for me, when I think Wesley Snipes, first thing that comes to mind is Blade. So, mm-hmm. okay, Derek, what what was uh, just what do you think of the the story in this one did you was it i didn't th- i mean obviously it's not that hard to follow uh was it something that you enjoyed or i'm just going to say it is but uh was there anything in it that's that uh, the story i mean that sticks out for you at all you know just some a scene or whatever that sticks out in here for you other than oh, the man. bloodbath stuff <sighs> Gosh, yeah, dude, there's so much. Uh, I mean, really, I we could spend hours talking about this movie. Um, to me, like, this was the type of va- – like I said before, this was the type of vampire movie I wanted to see. When um, when I found out that Blade was a, was a daywalker, mm-hmm. 
I immediately became obsessed with that possibility. You know, mm-hmm. somebody goes in with all their strengths and none of their weaknesses. I just thought that was a really cool thing. Uh, I love the dynamic between Christofferson's Whistler and Blade. Um, I love, I believe her name is Nabushi Wright. Yes. Uh, who plays Karen. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her dynamic in that whole thing. I hated that she never was back for another one because I just always thought that, like, the three of them thought, could be yeah, really good together. Jumping ahead just a little bit, but I thought, you know, going into Blade 2 that, you know, she's developing this formula and or the serum, I guess, and that, mm-hmm. you know, hey, we're going to expand on that in the next one, but nothing else, really nothing's ever said about that again past this first movie. So, no, I mean, there kind of isn't Trinity. Uh, Trinity, there's a it's kind of sort of, you know what I'm saying? But it's not the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, they t- they talk about it. I guess the only thing that you really see in the second one is that the serum that she made is is stronger and doesn't have as much like, you know, in this first one, he almost goes. I mean, yeah. he basically goes in an anaphylactic shock. Yeah. Um, and then in the second one, like he takes a serum and he. You know, he still convulses a little bit, but it's definitely not as much. Um, but it's never, but it's really never brought up again. Um, but yeah, I thought she did a great job. Um, Steven Dorff, man, you talk about it. You talk about an actor that can just chew the scenery. Yes. Uh, I mean, freaking Steven Dorff, man, just, I mean, he looks like he has the most fun ever in this movie. Um, I, you know, I've always thought that uh, he was kind of uh, overlooked, not only in the movie, but mm-hmm. as an actor after this, because like you were saying, I mean, he just chews it up. I mean, my goodness, I could, he, he plays the part great. And uh, yeah, I've always thought that he was kind of uh, overlooked afterwards. I was trying to look up to see because I cannot remember what else he was in right now uh, past this. Uh, well, you know, he did that like he did that like greaser movie that came out a couple years after this. Cecil B. That man. everyone Deuces Wild. Uh, I'm trying to think. Deuces Wild. Deuces Wild is yeah. the one I'm thinking of. Uh, Alone in the Dark. Um, I'm trying to see. Not a lot. I mean, he's had a lot of stuff. Past Bucky Lar- Bucky Larson. I mean, there you go. There it is. He's in Leatherface. That's, the twenty that's, that's the 2017 why. Leatherface actually. I don't know what part, but I mean, yeah. when I look at his, but when you look at 98, when he was Deacon Frost and what he did with that character and where he took that character and everything, I would have thought that, you know, coming out of that movie, uh, we were looking at somebody that was like, you know, going to be an A-lister basically. Really? Yeah, I did too, man. I thought the world was going to be that guy's oyster and it always disappointed me that we never really got the big Steven Dorff thing. I think that the the biggest thing I've seen him in, Jason, since since Blade was Public Enemies with uh, Johnny Depp and Christian yes, Bale. That's right. I forgot that he was in that. Yep. Probably. You're probably right. Um. So you touched a little bit on uh, Christopherson and his Whistler character. Uh, Whistler's pretty integral to uh, the first two movies, obviously, and uh, kind of. Uh, Partly in the third one, but man, somebody else that chews up the scenery when he's there. Uh, you were talking about Dorf, but man, Chris Christopherson mm-hmm. is Whistler. I don't know who else you could have casted for this and gotten the uh, response out of the audience, out of me, that you would have, because he is 
freaking awesome in this. Yeah. Um, I think it's neat that he uh, basically Blade's handler. You know, you get a little mm-hmm. bit more backstory as it goes on. But um, my, I do have my only complaint for this, and this goes for all three movies. And tell me if you've never thought this before. Why is it? And I've thought, and as I, I rewatched all three of them over the weekend because I knew he was doing this. As I watched each one of them, I was like, man, why is it that everybody knows karate in these movies? Everybody. <laughs> Like, you know, okay. Well, you you got to think that, like, this was at the height of the Matrix and stuff, too, know, though, man. But, but see, the thing is, karate was a huge thing in the 80s movies. Well, I'm just joking, though. Actually, when you think about it, any action movie, everybody knows karate. I just thought that. I was like, man, and, and sometimes it sometimes it gnaws on me worse than others, and in, the, in, in all three of these movies, really. It gnawed on me quite a bit. Just, I mean, the action's great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I love it. I love what they do. Uh, but like, it's just like everybody knows karate. There's nobody just like, mm-hmm. you know, bare knuckles. Let's just freaking brawl. It's just like, okay, let's do some spin kicks and blah, blah, blah. And roundhouse kicks and stuff, which I'm fine with snops. Cause he is a, uh, I can't remember. And he like a, he's a black belt or something. I can't remember what it is. I'm yeah. totally wrong. I don't remember right now, but that's my, that's my biggest complaint that, and the special effects do not age well. Some of them age better than others, but like that end, the end se- sequence, uh, the Lamagra and, you know, Stephen Dorff uh, at the end when he actually gets injected with the serum and blows up and all that stuff, it's uh, pretty rough. And there's a lot, yeah. of, a lot of the Matrix-y CGI stuff. I think it's more so in the – well, no, not in this one. I'm, I'm getting them mixed up. Blade 2 has the whole Matrix thing happening with it. We'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, you know, there wasn't really – I don't think there was that many – CGI shots in this uh, because you could tell when they are a lot more practical to this first one, especially mm-hmm. compared to the second one. But um, well, but I mean the second one's done by Gamaliel del Toro, uh, yeah. man. Like, <laughs> no, I know. You know what I mean? When I say that, I mean I'm talking the the Matrixy, you know, CGI characters jumping around and stuff, uh, kind of, yeah. you know, the Neo and uh, Mr. Anderson Matrix uh, Revolution stuff. I never did really yeah. care for any of that you know early cgi character stuff i mean obviously now when we watch something like avengers and the hulk and stuff you know you can't tell but at the time uh as with anything though you know it just doesn't age as well i mean i'll say that i love star wars to death but when you go back and watch the first star wars you know the cgi or cgi there is no the the special effects are not as good as they are now obviously so that's, Mm -hmm. that's a that's a nitpicky one on my part um I realize we're just kind of breezing through these a little bit. Uh, I did dig it. Uh, we was talking about favorite scenes. I do. I still love the part with the uh, UV flashlight and the big bulbous dude in the library, where <laughs> where uh, she just sits there and burns him nonstop. And then you know, eventually she ends up killing him, and and Blade looks at it and she goes, "He moved." So you know, because he yeah. told her not to move. It's just it's uh, that part's always got me, and that that dude was nasty looking too. Uh, that was a good, pra- yeah, that, that was a good practical effect uh, on that one. So, uh, yeah, uh, Pearl wasn't that his name, I, Pearl? Yes, I was looking here to see if it was. That sounds right. So, but the gist of the movie is that Deacon Frost is trying to. Uh, I'm trying to figure out the best way to summarize this. Uh, jump in if you want. Uh, 
to Digger Frost is trying to eradicate the human species. Yes. And make himself a daywalker in the process and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to make himself a god mm-hmm. so that he can he can basically turn all the humans into vampires and yeah. um, which is weird. Like why would you want to why would you want to turn your food supply into yeah, people exactly. of yourself? But hey, you don't think but, you know you don't think about that at the time. I mean, you know, you're just you're just trying to get right. it done. Here it is. I thought it's a ritual where he would use 12 pure blood vampires to represent the 12 spirits. With the blood and the strength of all 12 spirits, it will awaken the blood god, Lamagra. And Blade's blood is the key, of course. Uh, the blood of the Daywalker. So he's trying to capture Blade, which they've been trying to do forever, like throughout the entire movie. Right. But, um, right. And it obviously does not work out in the end for him. But um, I don't know. I just I think the um, the whole serum thing was neat. How they ended up using it to take out Frost Nate. I think it's kind of a. I don't know. That fight seems pretty good. What did you think of it? The fight scene between Blade and Frost at the end. I think. It, oh yeah, it's it's good. It's good stuff. I think it just kind of ends. I mean, I don't know if it ends too quickly for me. Or not, but I, I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong, but it's uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of neat the way they end up. Although, like I said, the special effects kind of take away from it. But when he blows up, it's kind of grody. So, but we also lose Whistler, quote unquote, lose Whistler in this one. That kind of got me sad. I realize I'm jumping all over the place here. Um, yeah, but I th- I think you needed that. Like there needed to be that loss to really ramp up. You know, Blade's actions and, mm-hmm. and stuff. Of course, you know, there's the huge Vince Russo swerve of Frost is the one that bit Blade's mother. Exactly. And turn, turns Blade into the vampire and that his mother's still alive. Oh, so let me ask you this on that front. Okay, you remember when they're having that party at the beginning of the movie? Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there looking on the computer and she comes out of the coffin. Mm-hmm. Did you realize that was her at the time? Not the first time. The first no. time. I did not either. And, like, I mean, it's not like you don't get a clear look at her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But in that same vein, like, when you see her on the operating table, yes. it looks like she has, like, a perm or, yeah. like, kind of an afro yep. type of hair. And in this, she's more of a sex pot type thing. So, I mean, they did their they, they did the right thing by yeah. it. Well, you know, because you definitely can't. I mean, unless you're like looking dead on at her, which you know you don't get that opportunity, you you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to tell that they're the same person. Obviously, it worked because it swerved me. I mean, I wasn't surprised at the end when she come, you know, when she comes out of the coffin and surprises Blade. It wasn't that big a surprise. I think I I think I remember watching it and saying, you know, hey, we won't bet that's his mom that comes out. But it was still a nice swerve, especially after she came out the first time, and I didn't even notice it. So. Yeah, it was neat. Um, so, anything else you want to add on this one? I realize we kind of jump around, Derek, but um, I just kind of hit high points and stuff. Is there anything else you want to add to this one before we move into Blade Two? No, man. I to me, this is the best of the three. You think so? Um, yeah, I really do. I'm, I'm uh, this. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, for me, the second one. The special effects damper it a lot. Um, I just thought that this had this was a gritty movie. Mm-hmm. It tells a good story. 
Uh, it feels as realistic as a vampire movie can feel. Mm -hmm. The second one feels like a comic book. The third one is just not great. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I don't disagree with you, but we'll get to the Trinity stuff. Um, yeah, uh, I think as an origin story, this is one of the uh, better, you know, comic book origin story movies. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I, I like that. You know, okay, you get you get the origin, but you don't. You know, it's not like ramrodded down your throat. You know, like right. with, uh, for instance, Spider Man. Uh, the Ra Raimi ones, and then the I can't remember who directed the Amazing Spider-Man now, but you know, you you don't have to. They're not pushing it down your throat. We all know those origin stories. That's why I think um, Spider-Man uh, Far or not Far from Home, Homecoming. I'm sorry. Why Homecoming and Civil War work so well because you know they don't ramrod it down your throat. Uh, we all know mm -hmm. that by now. Whereas obviously we. Most people didn't know the origin of Blade, but they do a good job of telling you that origin without, like, forcing it on you and getting across. I like how they get across um, the differences between these vampires and what we've grown up with, you know, vampires, you know, their weaknesses and stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, because, let's see, crosses don't bother them. And um, what else? What, there was something. What was the other biggie? I can't remember what it was. Uh, I don't remember. I, can't remember, I know garlic worked. Garlic worked, and of course, sunlight uh, wouldn't stay. It was it's still in this one, isn't it? Or not silver? I mean, yeah, I think not, so. Not steel, yeah. silver, but not a wooden stake. Yeah, silver, but yeah, wooden stakes. Yeah, so you know, there's some, but I, they don't. Again, it's stuff that they, it, the fact that they don't ramrod it down your throat, and the the story moves at a great pace. I don't think this story mm -hmm. ever slows down to a you know to where I was bored. Even watching it back over the weekend, I was still, mm -hmm. you know, it still moves at a great pace, which is like key for yeah. me in something like this. Because the go ahead. the uh, the cool thing, I apologize for no, interrupting. The cool thing about this for me is, uh, and you can kind of see David Goyer's fingerprints on it now that I'm thinking about it. Is this movie takes vampirism and makes it real, mm -hmm. like like it's a you know um, what's it Karen says towards the end of the movie that vampirism is a is a sexually transmitted disease, mm -hmm. basically. And I thought that that was a really great way to spin it. But then, of course, when you look at how Goyer wrote Batman or helped Christopher Nolan write Batman, it's very realistic-based. You know, even even these outlandish comic book characters that we've grown up with and love, are they have a realness to them. And so it makes sense that they're like this, this, this disease, you know, would have, would have mutated itself and uh and and made it to where you know it and it affects humans so i think for me like that was it. it it you almost pull the supernatural stuff out of it granted you you can't all the way because mm -hmm. obviously this stuff doesn't work but it's it's just it's grounded in realistic and uh, in, in realism the supernatural although it's there is kind of put on the back burner in these movies yeah. you know what i'm saying at least in this one i think you mm -hmm. get you it gets a little bit deeper in the second one, which we're about to touch on, uh, which I, I'm kind of surprised that you said that about Blade being your favorite, because most people tend to favor Blade Two over Blade mm -hmm. One. Um, I don't know if it's the uh, Del Toro stuff, you know, being involved with it, or like you said, more of a comic book feeling, which it really does have more of. But um, 
let's move into it. Uh, as I said, it's directed by uh, Del Toro. It was released in 2002. Uh, again, written by David S. Goyer. Um, the film follows the Blade and his. It, I'm just reading this pretty much by word by word. Uh, it follows Blade's continuing effort to protect humans from vampires, finding himself in a fierce battle against a group of mutant vampires who seek to commit global genocide of both vampire and human races. Blade and his human allies are coerced into joining forces with a special elite group of vampires. Uh, it was released March 22nd, and it grossed $155 million. So, um, again, receiving mixed reviews, but I really think when you... Uh, get down to it if you ask uh, most of your general movie going public who are fans of these movies they'll tell you that they love this movie obviously if they're fans but you know what I'm saying the, the public mm -hmm. most public a, a, a normal person I think really dug this movie um, again I think it's the favorite I think the majority if uh, you'll probably agree with me I think the majority of people will say that this is their favorite um, and like like we were saying probably because it really did lean more into that comic book feel on this one. Um, so, Derek, uh, again, thinking back to this one, <laughs> I know we've got some memories on this one. I think we've talked about them before. Uh, that <laughs> infamous night at the theater. Uh, yes. Give me some uh, overall, just some overall thoughts on it, real quick. Uh, yeah. So I. I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was still good. Um, there's some really great stuff in this. Uh, <laughs> for instance, when Blade is, he comes out of the blood, you know, towards the end of the movie, and he just, just it's always one of my favorite things in the movies. Um, when, uh, you know, I love the dynamic between he and Ron Perlman's character, which I forget his name. I'm looking for it right now, actually. Uh, uh, Reinhardt. Uh, Reinhardt. Yep. Yeah. Part of the blood pack. Yeah. Um, what? A, I'll tell you, this is the movie that made me hate Norman Reedus. You know what? I was going to mention that because um, I had actually, I haven't, I hadn't watched Blade Two in a long time, and I had actually forgotten that Norman Reedus was even in this movie. Uh, and I'm with you. He's really, really annoying in this movie, like from start to finish. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, I, I, it's just I don't know. There's something. I mean, I, right from the get go, he's not a likable character. And do you think that was? But do you think that was? Uh, you know, did did Del Toro mean for that? You know what I'm saying? That for you not to like this character, yeah. I'm sure because well, obviously at the end we end up getting the you know the switch. You know, you find out. Yeah. So. Well, I th I think that it's it's like anything else you know in the world when you've come to find like when you love something and then you get the new version of that something. A lot of times you don't like the new version of that something, and so Scud was the new version of Whistler. Well, we didn't want new Whistler. We wanted Chris Christopherson as the old Whistler. And so then we get him, but then you still got Scud. And then halfway through the movie, you start to like the kid because he's, you know, obviously trying to help Blade and trying to do the right thing. And then, nope, swerved you. I'm actually a bad guy. 
And then when he dies, it's 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 gratifying because just like Christopherson says, where he's like, "I was starting to like that kid." Yeah. That's how you feel too. <laughs> but but thank God he's gone. So I, I think it was. I mean, I think that Norman Reedus played it well. I just can't. I just don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> because of the movie. He uh, I I, uh, I didn't like the character from the get go. Just never. He never. Yeah. Never, I, neither did I. Um, like you said, I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't even think the swerve worked that well. Um, I didn't think you know they're setting it up to that Whistler is trying to betray him, but uh, I didn't believe that. I just didn't see that as you know that didn't make sense to me that Whistler would betray Blade. Yeah. And uh, they kind of they kind of throw you that swerve when he helps him and they do the UV uh, grenades. I guess basically is what you call them. I can't remember the exact name for them. But, yeah, for me, probably probably the worst character in the movie by far. I was looking at the other ones in here, and I, I can't think of anybody that was as annoying as him. Even though Perlman's Reinhardt is pretty close second, but, you know, that's Perlman mm-hmm. plays that character all the time, so you're used to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I don't know. Um so, uh, plot-wise, uh, basically, Blade has been searching Prague for Whistler. Although, I, I mean, they kind of explained it in here, but uh, I, I, it's kind of wishy-washy, you know, their explanation for how he survived. Um, but, um, so he's trying to find Whistler. Uh, there is a... Reaper virus that has been spread through the vampire community, turning uh, these vampires into reapers. Uh, the uh, I'm trying to find the main one's name, and I cannot find it. Uh, uh, Novak. Novak. Jared Novak. Jared, thank you. I could not find it on here. So Jared Novak is the or Nomak. I'm sorry, Nomak. Novak. Novak. I would thought, uh, but he's the he's the I guess patient zero of this. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, they they hunt vampires, and when they bite them, they turn them into reapers. And I thought the reaper design was pretty cool, you know, mm-hmm. with the, the the split mouth thing and all that, uh, which kind of calls in calls uh, over to Trinity, which we'll talk about here in a few. But uh, I had forgotten about that. Uh, so anyway. They end up trying to recruit Blade, uh, Assad, who is the, or I mean, Vampire Lord. Uh, the mosquitoes. Thank you, because I was going to butcher it. Uh, like I told Clay last night, I just have Google Translate put up, and then I can just put it on there and hit the button when I need to say a name that I cannot <laughs> pronounce at all. So, but anyway, he has his daughter Nissa, uh, and the re- and the uh, Blood Pack which is uh, a vampire crew that is set out to kill, or was put together to actually hunt and kill Blade. But anyway, (laughs) they get them all together, and hijinks ensue from there. There's another nightclub (laughs) scene uh, in this one. I don't think this one is as good as that first one. Uh, No, it's not. There's there's a little bit more... uh, Torture porn, I guess almost you call it. There's a couple kind of mm-hmm. gruesome little things in there, but anyway. So uh, moving on from there, it's kind of so they all get together. 
And I don't know. I thought I liked this movie more than what I did, than what I remembered liking it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, it's they. You know, the blood pack thing was kind of neat. Uh, obviously, it doesn't work out. Uh, comes down to you find out that uh, Nomac or Novak. How did we say that? I forgot. Nomac. 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 You find out that Nomac is uh, his son. And that they had done this. The Mosquitoes' uh, son. Yes, that they had done this t- on purpose. Uh, and it's just uh, just not as good as I remembered it being. Uh, in the end, yeah. uh, he bites Nissa, and I realize I'm just kind of breezing through this, but we're going to get to talking about it here. Uh, he bites Nissa, uh, Blade ends up killing him, and it's just kind of, I don't know. What do you think of it? Overall, uh, man, I mean, it's it's not a bad movie, but to me, I think the reason why I don't like this one as much as the first one is because this one feels like it's the same beats, just with a few different change-ups. Mm-hmm. Like Blade has to fight the god. Blade goes. Blade has to get the blood. Like they they use Blade's blood again, you know, in this one, just like they did with the Lamraga thing. Uh, this time they're using his blood to. Uh, make the the Captain America vampires basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just it felt like the exact same beats as the first one, and that was all that they could do with his character. And so this was where for me I started getting uh, Blade fatigue. And I was like, okay, this is a, I, I'm I'm happy to have this character back in my life, and I'm excited for a new story. But we're hitting all the same beats from the first one. So was there really a need for a second movie? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, love love Blade's dedication to Whistler. Love the fact that we open up with you know Whistler coming back. Um, I say hammered crap all the time. Like when people are like, "How mm-hmm. you feeling?" They're like like hammered crap. I say it all the time. So thank you for that, Chris Christopherson. Um, and the blood pack, the excuse me, the blood pack versus blade, is a fun little thing. But I don't know, man. This one, this one just wasn't kinda, special. The blood pack thing for me, it was neat when they were introduced. You know, uh, pardon, mm-hmm. uh, pardon my lack of a better term, but you've got a bunch of shit kickers that come in. You know, these dudes are there to stop blade. You know, and right. they look, they again. Pardon my French, but they they look like they're ready to kick ass, and that they can that they can kick ass, and then you know they pretty much go out like like uh, I, I'm trying to think of a better term than the one that's coming to mind right now, uh, like a bunch of pansies, sissies, pansies, yeah. like you know. So they go to that nightclub, and I'm I'm ready for this fight because it's going to be cool. I mean, yes, the nightclub things a retread, but like. You know, you've got this elite pack, you've got blades, so on and so forth. And, you know, they all just, they, well, not all of them, but, like, they get taken out, like, like nothing, pretty much. Uh, yeah, priest, pretty quick. Priest is, like, torn apart quick. And, the, you know, mm-hmm. that one dude, I'm trying to find his name, and I can't remember, the one with the big hammer mm-hmm. and all the tats and stuff on him, and he looks like he can just, like, you know, tear somebody apart. And, like, that... Uh, and then he's almost immediately bit, and so on and so forth. And of course, he's stupid and hides it. Was it so, Light Hammer? Was that Light the one? Hammer, that... Yes, that's it. That's his yeah. name. 
But like you know, uh, I thought it was kind of neat how the the Reaper kind of dug his claws into his back and all that stuff. But he gets bit, and you know, then he hides it, which is stupid. Why are you going to hide it? Because that just you know, so we know what's going to happen at some point. Um, I don't. It, it they they were just kind of a letdown. I mean, per, don't get me wrong. Ron Perlman is awesome. Uh, I'll watch anything just about with Ron Perlman in it, especially when it comes to something like this, a Del Toro movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought Ron Hart again, like I said earlier, he's he's the right kind of jerk. You know, mm-hmm. he just gets on your nerves the entire movie, but in a in a pleasant way, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah, but at the end of it, you're ready for him to die. Yeah, yeah. By the time by the time he does die, you're like, yes, thank you. Yeah. So, and it was kind of I did like we kind of touched on it, but like when Scud finally buys it, you know, he does a, his whole uh, spiel about how he's been playing Blade this whole time and the the implant that they put in Reinhardt it was it it was turned off and it didn't work and so on and so forth and he was flipping it you know and then Blade's like I've been on to you the whole time he yeah hits the button blows him up pretty gratifying I'll give it that so yeah um, it is I don't know though that whole blood pack thing I really thought there was gonna be more to that than what it was but when they go down the sewers you know they just get torn apart you know of course Lighthammer. Yeah. As soon as they get in the sewers, he turns, of course. And probably my favorite of the uh, blood pack, uh, Donnie Yen, who is awesome, as he's played Snowman, the the, the mute swordsman. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he gets taken out like nobody's business by Lighthammer. Yeah. I'm like, man, really? Gosh. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, but like, I don't know. It's just, uh, as I said, and I don't know, Derek, we talked about it before, but I would just wonder if that environment that we watched that in that night because we were both working at the theater or no was you you were working there weren't you then or was oh it, yeah yes. yeah I, was See, I knew you were there i just can't remember uh times so on and so forth but anyway yeah. we were there everybody and their mother was there everybody and their mother was not mm-hmm. supposed to be there for the preview so everybody was yeah. hopped up which made the experience that much crazier and of course you know as well as i did when you preview a movie you're way more excited for it than you are if in my in my personal opinion anytime i preview a movie it was probably going to get a better review for me than it would have would if i go watch it just at a normal uh yeah. premiere you know what i'm saying because yeah we're there uh, in most cases other than this one it's four or five of us we're hyped to be watching the movie in most cases some movies we watch we were not but uh you know something like blades you're hyped which you go in with that rose tinted glasses so like i said uh just not as good as i thought and the the matrixy cgi stuff just kills this one for me a lot of good mm-hmm. fight scenes were really hurt by that uh kind of going in and out of cgi character thing yeah so, i agree with that uh it wasn't terrible well no it was pretty i was gonna say it wasn't terrible but then i got to thinking like when um when he was fighting Nissa and the other dude in front of the, you know, Whistler turns the lights on. Oh, gosh. You know, yeah, dude, that's the worst. Yeah, they're jumping around and stuff, and it just looks bad, real bad. So, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, it's Del Toro, and it's probably, yes, he made Hellboy, but this is probably his most comic booky movie to me, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't yeah. I don't think Hellboy, even though it's based on a comic book, uh, feels nearly as 
comic booky as this does. Uh, it stays yeah. it stays true to the source material, which I guess this does too. But I think, like you said, uh, you're just running the same. Mo- uh, you're showing the same movie with just uh, you know, let's plug in this bad guy in place of this one, and we'll right. we'll add a couple people here, and it'll be okay. Which it was okay, but kind of a disappointment. Which speaking of disappointments. Let's move. <laughs> let's move into Blade. Well, uh, Go before ahead. we before Sorry. we do that, can I just can I just talk about the cheesiest moment I think in all three of these movies? Yes, is where uh, he kills Reinhardt, and then Whistler's like, "Hey, kid," and he throws him his yes. Oakleys. Yes. Yeah. And as 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 like, pardon my language, but as badass as that fight scene is, where Blade kills all these soldiers and then kills Reinhardt. It just—it's automatically ruined by this sunglasses throw yep. from Whistler to Blade. How much of that was, do you think was uh, Snipes kind of exerting a little bit more control over his character? Because there was some different beats for Blade in this one. There was a little bit more personality to him. If yeah. you know what I'm saying, he. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah. So, because that does—I can, can see that. I mean, don't get me wrong, Del Toro. Is quirky in his own right, and mm-hmm. I mean, if you've seen his movies, there's you know there's some pretty funky stuff. But like that's not that when I think of Del Toro movies, that's not something that I associate with a Del Toro movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I I think again though for me it was just rehashing the first movie because you know Donald Logue like Blade Blade feeds off of Karen. And then the first person he finds is Donald Logue, and Donald Logue's like, I've got two new hands, and I don't know which one to kill you with. Yeah. And Blade just kills him, and his glasses fly up in the air, and he grabs That's them him. and throws them on, and then does the, the big kill scene. And so, again, it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, come on, guys. Can we not can we not think of something original to do besides the god-awful Matrix, uh, <laughs> the Matrix fights we're doing? Like, can you not do anything better than that? It's you know the more we talk about it, the more I think um, Matrix really. You can see what kind of effect Matrix had on a movie at this time. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I mean, we had we had who knows how many like bullet times and so on and so forth after Matrix, but this one really pays it pays plays it up. I'm sorry, a lot. I mean, I've just never the CGI character thing just kills me. At least back then. I mean, as I said before, yeah. today it's, you know, it's not even a thing. But, like, then, right, it was just bad. I mean, I, give me good practical effects over, you know, substandard CGI. Because yes, they had to have seen that when they were in post, you know, editing, like, oh, that, well, I say that. Then when I think back, I can, you know, as uh, 19 or 2002 me, which I'm not even going to attempt to add up how old I am and subtract now. But anyway, 2002 me <laughs> would not have been, uh, well, let's see, 18 years ago. I think that was probably pretty neat at the time, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, it was. I think it still looked CGI, you know, because I, I know in Matrix Revolution, or, yeah, was it in Revolutions, when they had that big fight scene with Anderson and Neo, and it was all mm-hmm. CGI, that looked CGI. And yes, it still looked cool at the time, but I mean, I could, t- you know, you could tell, but I can also remember mm-hmm. sitting in the theater and saying, 
this looks pretty freaking awesome. But yeah. now when I look at it, I'm like, this looks pretty freaking bad. So. Yeah. Well, you know, Spider-Man came out that same summer, yeah. and it had some of that stuff in it, and no one batted an eyelash. I, I still, I don't know if it's my love of Spider-Man or not, but um, I can still watch it. I watched it. I can I can watch it right now and still enjoy the web slinging in it. It's, you can see it, but... I don't know. There's just something that rubs me wrong about two CG. I don't know. No, I don't know. It's just, it's rough. But that, again, that's not the real problem with the movie. Again, I don't think it's a terrible movie, but uh, the more I've thought about it, the the more I dislike parts of it that I don't, that I didn't think I would dislike, you know, yeah. after going back and revisiting. So, but yeah. any, uh, you know, so disliking, uh, you mentioned it. Uh, let's talk about Blade Trinity. Oh, I mean, if we have to. Well, uh, it, it, um, I'll say this before we get started. I watched it, and uh, by all means, it's not a good movie, but it's also not as bad as I remembered it being. Um, I don't know if it's uh, Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds or <laughs> what. You know, I don't know what it is, but um, it, it's not that good. It's just not a good movie. But it's not as to yeah. me. It's not as bad as I thought it. I can remember watching it and thinking, when it first came out, thinking, "Man, what have they done?" You know, this this is the mm-hmm. this movie killed the franchise. Well, that and Wesley Snipes' tax evasion stuff. But you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but you know, we don't talk about that. So let me let's do a little setup. Uh, Trinity was released in two thousand four. Man, they were pumping these out. By the way. I didn't remember oh, yeah. being that close together, but wow. Yeah. Uh, so this one is written, produced, and directed by David S. Goyer. Um, again, Wesley Snipes is in it, obviously. Um, it has Ryan Reynolds as the Hannibal King and Jessica Biel as Whistler's daughter. Uh, Chris Christopherson, uh, Whistler. I'm trying to – is it Abigail? Was that her actual name, I think? Yes, yes. Abigail, Abigail Whistler. Yep. Uh, Chris Christopherson is back as Whistler. Uh, Dominic Purcell is Dracula. And Parker Posey as, what is her name? Do you remember? I don't have it right in front of me. Oh, uh, dang it. Uh, um, Danica. Talios. And, that's right. And Triple H as yeah. Jarko, Jarko Grim, Grimwood. Yeah. yeah, big Paul Levesque, baby, yeah. looking jacked. Yeah, he was huge back then. I mean, like yeah, in a different man. way. You know what I'm saying? I mean, let's not go there. We'll yeah, just, we're just going. We've talked enough wrestling, but uh, Triple H is in it. Um, so in this one, the war between the humans and the vampires continues. However, the human-vampire hybrid blade has been framed for countless murders by vampire leader Talios, who's determined to lead her bloodthirsty compatriots to victory. Now Blade must team up with a band of rogue vampire hunters to save humanity from the most challenging enemy yet, Dracula. Uh, the film grossed $132 million, which I'm surprised. Actually, I didn't remember it doing that good. Uh, on a budget of $65 million, so that's pretty good. Mm. Um, from here, uh, there was a Blade TV series, which we have both decided never to mention again. <laughs> and it is actually Ryan Riddle's first superhero role, which he would go on to have quite a few, surprisingly. So, yeah. um, 
This was the movie that originally we got originally jacked Ryan Reynolds yes. for. Yep, it was. Uh, okay, let's start like we have. Uh, what's just initial thoughts on it? Uh, man, it's a. It would have been a great vehicle for uh, Abigail Wessler or Abigail Whistler and uh, Hannibal King. This isn't a. To me, this isn't a Blade movie. This is a this is Night a Stalkers setup. movie. This is a setup for a Night Stalkers movie. Is what it feels like. Yeah. Yep. Hundred um, percent. But besides that, man, there's really not a lot to be happy about or even I mean, talk about. Well, you know, <laughs> so I mean, basically, Talios and all her cronies have dug up Dracula, right? And which they call him Drake. Drake. In this movie. Yes, that's so catchy. Yeah, uh, not to be confused with the Canadian uh, pop star from Degrassi. <laughs> I lost my train of thought just then. I'm sorry. Hold on. Let me, <laughs> let me get back on track. Wasn't prepared for Degrassi. Uh, I'm sorry, man. There. I love it. So they dig him up. They end up – this is going to be a quick recap. They end up framing Blade for a murder. Uh, they have a familiar act like a vampire and end up uh, catching it all on film. And so now he's hunted by the police. Ends up getting captured by the police. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not stalkers come to his rescue. Um, yeah, but not before we see a gigantic blade boner. Yes, that's so. You talk about when he when when it like King sitting there like get up blade, get up doing that thing. Well, no, well, no. which part? No, they're they're in the uh, they're in the interrogation room, and it's that nerdy guy that's in everything, but uh-huh. he's amazing. Um, what's his freaking name? I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Well, see, um, I know which parts you're talking about now. I was thinking, because there's multiple boners in this, uh, if you'll think, okay. there's that one. I know which one you're talking about, but if you'll remember right, when he pops that uh, that thing in his mouth, the I, I don't know. the That's the same, this is the same, same thing, thing right here. Okay, so we're on the same yeah. one, but I, when he sta- are you talking about when he stands up? Yeah, yes. that, that's all in this, yes. in this scene. That whole thing. Yes, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah, because uh, John Michael Higgins, yeah, John Michael Higgins plays uh, Doctor Vance, yes, I think's his name, yes. and uh, he's, t- he's talking about like how he feels like the um, the the act of of uh, feeding off somebody is sexual, you know, and mm-hmm. and how Blade can get off on it and stuff, and so then they they throw him is I guess a serum to help him break free of the chains, and when he pops up, man, he's just got this yes raging hard on. And I was just like, "What? Like, what kind of movie are we doing and here it's, now, it's guys?" It's not even like they try to hide it. You know, it's not like an accident. I mean, he just like it's a crotch shot. Oh, yeah, it's a crotch shot. Yeah, of him I mean, standing they zoom up. in, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like, whoa! Don't remember that happening before." <laughs> it was like, "Golly, what am I watching?" Ugh. Yeah. So, uh, basically, they rescue him. It ends up. I mean, he ends up. Fighting Dracula and killing Dracula. I mean, really? Is there? I mean, I don't know. It's just like you talk about movies hitting the beats, you know, from A to B to C, so on and so forth. This movie pretty much runs it. Uh, I mean, a straight line. You know exactly what's going to happen from scene to scene. I don't think there's mm-hmm. anything surprising. Uh, even you know, so like Whistler's in it for what 30 minutes maybe tops 
maybe maybe yeah. before he gets killed because once they frame Blade, he goes back to the to their hideout, and then the cops end up finding him, and of course Whistler uh, sacrifices himself to save Blade. And yeah, but not before we get the the stereotypical "I loved you like a son." son. Yep, yep. So I I don't know. I mean, would you? Okay. Uh, would you had rather this had been just a straight Night Stalkers movie and left Blade out altogether, or even have him take a even more backseat role, saying maybe he was. Cap, you know he's captured and is captured for most of the movie until the, say the end of it or whatever. Would you rather have seen <sighs> that, or is there just no saving this movie? I just don't think there's any saving this movie. Uh, apparently, I don't know if you've read it or not, but apparently David S. Goyer and, and Wesley Snipes had a lot of friction on this movie. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, like Snipes either was such a prima donna or got so method for the role that like he wouldn't answer to anything but blade. Um, he, he wouldn't come out of his trailer. Uh, if he wanted to communicate with anybody, it was through post-it notes. Um, when Ryan Reynolds was promoting the film, he said that snipes once acknowledged Ryan Reynolds by saying, keep your mouth shut. You'll live longer. It also says here that he referred to him as a cracker on more than one occasion. Too. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, Patton Oswald, did you see this one? He alleged that Snops would spend much of his time smoking marijuana in his trailer. And because, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, I can see Snops having a big head by the time this comes to it because the other two were such big hits, you know. And I don't know if this was Goyer's first uh i think it was his first uh time as a director i'm fairly certain it I was his first director I, I, it was his directorial yeah, debut i'm pretty sure it is and you know when you're dealing with uh somebody like wesley snipes who does have a big ego it is a known fact and i'm sure that he did run rough shot over him really you know mm -hmm. so I, there's just not a lot to be said about this movie i didn't like uh Drake in this movie. Yeah, Dominic Purcell was really uh, restrained in yeah. this movie. Um, and I, I, I think uh, – I apologize for interrupting. Um, I feel like that if you're going to bring Dracula into it, then you need to put a little bit of the um, over-the-top campiness that comes with Dracula. I'm not saying have you know Bella Lugosi out mm -hmm. there, but I do you know do something similar like – I mean, go over the top with it. Well, you know, Buffy Buffy the Vampire Slayer put Dracula in it, and I thought it was great. Yep. I, I don't even think – I would have preferred it not to even be in Dracula, you know? Yeah, uh, uh, sure. You know, it doesn't have to be Dracula to be, you know, like the originator of vampires. Um, I, I did, like I said earlier, I thought it was kind of neat where he had the split – jaw thing like the Reapers did mm -hmm. and also had the little tongue thing too I believe didn't he if um, I remember right yeah. once he went into like his like, like when he went into his final form you know mm -hmm. so um, I don't know I think for me I did get as always I mean we're talking Ron Reynolds uh, There is there anybody better at one liners 
today. You know what I'm saying? He, no, he, no, there's not. He had some really good ones um, that I will not. There's one that just had me rolling, and I'm not going to repeat it right now. But um, it was a classic. Uh, but uh, I thought Jessica Bill was pretty good in this. I still think it's stupid that you know her entire character is basically revolves around her iPod and sending it and making her i her playlist. Oh yeah, you know yeah. So I completely forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. It's kind of you know, I, I I don't know. I think her as a character is neat. I like that you know this is Whistler's daughter and so on and so forth. But um, it just kind of it just kind of falls flat. It really does. I yeah. think the only person they nailed on here, casting wise, I mean, Snipes is Blade. I mean, you know, you you know what you're getting with that part of it. I think. Sure. I think both. Of the, I think Reynolds and Bill are good. I think that would have served them better if this had just been a. I think this should have been a standalone, not Stalkers movie. I kind of wish mm-hmm. they had went forward with that. I think those two meshed well together, and I would have liked to have seen them together in another movie you know then let's get some, yeah. let's do something other than vampires would i think it would be neat you know i mean whatever there's all kinds of supernatural stuff that you can dive into there uh you know, werewolves just come to mind for some reason i don't know it's the first thing that popped in my head but you know whatever yeah just see them do something different but um we're coming for you kate beckinsale exactly yes oh that'd be great the the underworld night stalker crossover we all didn't know we needed <laughs> um but parker posey as talios talios mm-hmm. nails it i have been a huge yeah. fan of parker posey pretty much as long as i can remember the first thing i ever remember watching her in was um dazed and confused and mm-hmm. she played an absolutely horrible horrible human being in that movie <laughs> She truly was, and I loved the character. Um, so, and that's pretty much she has played characters of that type for the most part. Uh, kind mm-hmm. of stayed on the independent side of things, but like, I think they cast her right because man, she is just uh, you know she's grade A, just absolute trash in this movie in a good way. Yeah. I don't mean that bad. Yeah, uh, she plays that character perfect, and it, it and it's annoying in the right ways for me. Yes. Uh, so let's get to the real question, though, just real quick while we're talking cast. Triple H, yay or nay? Man, I thought he did a passable job in this movie. Uh, but I think that this was his, like, oh, I could be the rock, too. Mm-hmm. And so he was just trying to break into movies just because the rock was getting some publicity about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, like I love Triple H. He's one of my top five, probably top five, top 10 favorite wrestlers, Mm -hmm. but he obviously always did have a chip on his shoulder when it came to the rock. Uh, and I just think that, you know, stay in your wheelhouse, man. Like you, (laughs) you love wrestling. You created one of the best wrestling brands out there with NXT. Uh, you know, you, uh, you are, uh, fantastic in the wrestling business. Just just stay in the wrestling business. You don't you don't need to be Hollywood like you know like Dwayne or, or Batista or even John Cena for that matter. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he does he does fine, and it was cool to see one of my favorite wrestlers in a you know in a movie that I was uh, 
excited about watching, but at the same time, I was just like, oh, okay, buddy, maybe, so <laughs> maybe just stick to stick to what you know. Here's my thing, and I, this goes for all wrestlers that make that transition in the movies. Um, do we have to see them use wrestling moves in the movie? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't need to, like, he does, his, you know, you don't see a pedigree or anything, but he does a big body slam, which, yeah, it, it, it looks like it hurts, but, like, you know, do I need to see, you know, The Rock give a rock bottom in a movie, which you don't see that much anymore, I don't think. I can't remember the last time he's actually used it. I think the, the only only time I can remember that is The Rundown. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's the one that comes, I, I was paralleling these two, I think, was where I was trying to remember what else it was. But, like, you know, I mean, yeah. I don't need to see – if I'm a wrestler and I'm moving into a movie role, I would be like, look, please don't make me use a pedigree or use my, you know, uh, suplex or anything like that in this. Just, yeah. just let me – look, I'm a huge jacked-up dude. Let me beat somebody down, which he does for the most part in that uh, Hannibal King fight. But at the same time, you do get – a body slam in there, and I always I, – I can't think of a time when I did not roll my eyes, except it maybe like No Holds Barred or something, you know. Right. Uh, you know, you, right. you know, if you're buying a ticket for No Holds Barred, you know what you're getting. If you buy a ticket yeah. to Ready to Rumble, you know what you're getting. Right. When I buy a ticket to The Blade, I don't need to see him do the wrestling moves. Again, that's just a little yeah. nit, nitpicky pet peeves for my part. So – Yeah, no, I agree. Um, two Two things on that, though. Uh, number one, Jimmy King for uh, the WWE 2021 Hall of Fame. Uh, and number two, uh, in in my humble and accurate opinion, The Rundown is The Rock's best movie. You think so? I really do. I haven't watched it in a long time. I remember enjoying it immensely. I really do think it was his coming up because uh, before that, the last one he done was, the first one was, his first movie was Walking Tall, right? If I'm thinking right. First movie was Scorpion King. Oh, I, well, okay, yes, you're right. But, okay, first starring role was Walking Tall, I think. I could no, be wrong. No, no, no. So, Run, Rundown came out before Did it Walking come out Tall. before? Really? Yeah. I get them, yeah, I get them well, mixed up. Uh, excuse me. Well, run, uh, but, Rundown, Rundown came out in September of 2003, and then Walking Tall came out in April or May of 2004. Okay. Well, between the two, definitely Rundown is the far superior of those two. Um, I would have to go back and watch it again because um, I am a, as listeners know, I am a unabashed lover of the Fast and the Furious movies. And mm-hmm. if people have listened long enough, they know that we talked about in the very first episode of this. Thank you, Derek, for getting this started for me. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. And um, <laughs> the, the Hobbs character is it's just pure gold to me. Yeah. You know, but again, that's within a franchise. So, um, I mean, you know, obviously it's not doom, not the rock's best. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I can go back. It's not rampage. I can tell you that I do have a soft spot in my heart for, uh, San Andreas. Um, that's a good one too. Uh, so and Carla Gugino is uh, maybe the most that, beautiful that, woman. That is a good one too. World. Yes, yes, that is a definite uh, factor in that movie. Um, yeah. So I don't know, uh, but you know, I can also think of uh, let's see, is it Be Cool? Mm-hmm. Yes, Be Cool, because that was kind of a breakout role for him because it was something outside of his wheelhouse. Yeah. A gigantic black gay man. Yeah. Uh, which he was awesome in. 
Uh, I'm not saying that in a bad way. That was a great movie, and he was great in that. So, I, I you know, The Rock, we're, we're rambling, but that's okay. The Rock <laughs> really does amaze me when you think about his transition from wrestling to film. You know what I'm saying? What he's what he's been able to accomplish. I just saw uh, earlier that he is now uh, the most followed man on Instagram. I think it's like yeah. 400 million follow- followers. I yeah. think. Which, by the way, if you don't follow that account, you should because it is pure gold. Oh yeah. Um, we're, we're again we're devolving, but that's okay. I I, I relished during the while this whole COVID thing's been going on, watching him have to sing "You're Welcome to His Daughter" every night, and just watch him, <laughs> you know, devolve a little further into insanity as it yeah. went on. Uh, but the fact, but watching this giant dude, huge megastar, absolutely love every minute of doing that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's great, and mm-hmm. and it makes me, you know, uh, it, it makes me feel good as a father to see another. Yeah. You know, the, I I am a big dude in the complete opposite way, as in my gut is big. But, um, you know, I am a big dude that will sit there and I will sing songs to my daughter. And it's just, you know, there's that, that I don't know, it's just that feeling of, you know, hey, here's another dude that sits here and has to sing these songs nonstop to their daughter and loves every minute of it, even though it drives you yeah. insane. Yeah. Completely devolved from Blade, by the way, just then, so... That's all right. I mean, I, I put us I put us on this tangent anyway. Uh, I'll tell you this, man. I think that The Rock has grown as an actor, uh, leaps and bounds from what he was in, like, Walking Tall and stuff. And I would love to see him tackle the rundown now. Like, I think mm-hmm. it'd be even better. Oh, yeah. yeah obviously, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have Sean William Scott because no one's heard of him in the last 15 years. That's, okay, but, real quick, um, real quick. That is sad, by the way. That yeah. dude, I don't know. I don't know why he got blacklisted, which I feel like he has. But that is sad because that dude is legit funny too. You know, yeah. he like not only the American Pie movies, uh, you can love it or not, but uh, Dukes of Hazard, he's great in. I mean, any <laughs> all his movies, man, he is legit funny. And it's yeah. did you ever watch The Goon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's so good. Uh, I haven't seen two The Goon two, but you know, I don't know what it was that caused him to get. Was it that movie, The Medallion, with Jackie Chan? Do you think that's what did it? I uh, could have been. You know, because that movie was not that good. No, it wasn't. So anyway, go ahead. Sorry, I I I had to say that about Sean William Scott because it hurts oh, me to see yeah. him gone. No, you're fine. Th- that's what I was just saying. Is like I, I just wish that that he would have made that, or he could make a movie similar to that now. Because I think that we would see an even better version mm-hmm. of, you know, I, and I think maybe you have with like Central Intelligence. Yeah, that is that is a that, that's a good rock movie too. Come, mm. Yeah. So I don't know. You put but you put The Rock and Kevin Hart and something together. You you got pretty much comic gold right there. Is that, I agree. Do you think that's the new Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito pairing? You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah. Probably. Could that be it? Could we see a twins? With those two in it, you know, a Twins that, reboot? That would be a lot of fun. How good would that be? I mean, seriously. That would be a lot of fun. Okay, so, swinging back around. Blade Trinity sucks. Do you think Do you think there's anything... Could they have done anything to save this movie? I don't think so. I, I think that it was a cash grab. Cash grab, yes. Uh, and I think that... I think that there was a lot of problems with the star and a lot of problems with uh, novice director 
And I just think that the movie itself probably shouldn't have been made. But it was. And you know what? It's one of those things where at the end of the day, Jason, if you're a big Blade fan and you just want to see you want to see your dude in another fight, you know, uh, being a again, being a badass, mm-hmm. then watch this movie. It's not it's not horrible. But if you're if you're looking at all three of them, it's definitely the weakest of the three. But it's not like a it's not a terrible terrible movie. Uh, it's just not up to par with with one or two. Yeah, um, I'll agree with that. Um, I think there's moments that are worth watching this for. Um, I really do think that uh, anytime they let Ryan Reynolds get turned loose in this, uh, you know, you, he shines. I it just, I mean, the dude. I mean, nobody can jaw like that dude. You know, and right? His one-liners, like I said, are just on par the whole time. Uh, Jessica Biel, again, was. Uh, I think she. I think. I really think, she, even though she plays a major role in the movie, I still think she's underutilized mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, it's and the the whole iTunes thing is still stupid. Uh, like you said, the blade. I mean, you know. With Blade, if you want to watch him beat the crap out of people, then come on and watch it. Um, but yeah, it's just it's uh, it's just it's just not that good. Yeah, they should have called it the Night Stalkers and had a cameo by Blade in it, and I think it would have been better than labeling it Blade Trinity. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that would have been. I, I would have liked to have seen that. You know, I really think that if you, I said it already, but if you had took blade out of that equation at the beginning of the movie after he got caught just yeah i mean you can go back say you go back and just you know you check in on him yeah they're torturing him or whatever blah 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 but you know let's focus on the night stalkers and how are they going to get him you know how are they going to get him out blah blah that kind of thing yeah much better movie so okay yeah. that being said also go ahead uh, yeah uh, i was just going to say i will say this that i thought the night stalkers themselves was the more interesting story, and what a murderer's row of actors: yes. Patton Oswalt, mm-hmm. Natasha Lyonne. Like, yep. uh, you had you had some really great talent in there. It's too bad they killed you, them all, except for yeah, exactly. You, you know. just really kind of underutilized them, and then you killed them off. So, uh, oh well, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah, uh, could have been neat. Uh, I, you know, if ands or buts, you know, you know, if this had happened or if that, whatever. I'm kind of surprised. I, I I don't know. Uh, Marvel didn't get back the Blade uh, uh, rights until 2012. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, we all know about Wesley Snipes' tax evasion stuff and all that that took him off the, uh, put him on the shelf for a long time. Um, I know that they tried to do the Night Stalkers sequel. I was trying to see if they ever really said anything about it, but uh, not really. Um so it's just it's kind of weird. Uh, the one bright spot that come out of this is that Marvel did get back the rights to Blade, and that as we had said in uh, I, I think the last episode you was on, uh, how excited we both are that uh, Marshala Ali is has been cast as Blade. Yes, um, it's such so exciting to see where they could take this character, uh, and. I know Wesley Snipes had said that he would be interested in being in the movie in some form, 
uh, I would be down with that. I don't. I would. I wouldn't want him to be a you know, um, father blade. You know that kind of thing mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, yeah. But I, I, it would be neat to see a little callback to Wesley Snipe in there. I mean, you know, he. If it hadn't been for him, there wouldn't be a Blade franchise to begin with. Right. I, you know, if it hadn't been for him, I don't think we would be talking about Blade today at all. No. I mean, you no, know, not at all. He made, he's what made the movie. So, uh, but I am definitely, I, I cannot wait to see what they do with uh, Marshall Ali because that dude, talk about somebody that can chew up some scenery. My goodness. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love, I love Marshall Ali. Yes. He's, he's really good. Should be good. Do you think. Uh, this might be a little too on the nose, but do you think that Wesley Snipes could be uh, his whistler? I was thinking that myself while I was saying that, yeah. but I wasn't going to go there. I was going to let you. I just knew that you were going to say that. I'm going to let Derek handle that. Um, I, 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 maybe. You know, I don't. Uh, I, I'd have to see it. I mean, I think it, yeah. it could be done, but at the same time, I, I think to myself, well, is that you know, is that putting him too close? to the blade character you know what i'm saying is that too mm-hmm. too much is that too much wesley snipes but hey listen it's the mcu it's marvel if that's what they did i'd be like i'm down i'm ready to see this yeah. you know I'm, yeah it, it, you know we may never get to watch another marvel movie at this point but like when, it, oh, if and when we do you know i've got I, until until they can prove me wrong, and I said it before, until they can prove me wrong and and make a bad movie, I, I you know I'm first in line for every movie they they drop. You know mm-hmm. I'm there day one for Disney Plus. However they want to do it, I really yeah. I, I, I really wish they just put Black Widow on Disney Plus. To be honest with you. Which, oh man, me too. Which I think they're going to do. It's coming with this whole uh, the way they're reworking their whole. Uh, movies or their whole streaming initiative and everything yeah so we'll see uh i mean we've got wandavision coming out at the end of the here before too long so we'll see i you know clay and i've talked about it quite a bit but like it's been a long time since we've had a marvel movie this is the longest we've ever gone yeah and you know they just pushed them back uh let's see black widows in february of next year I won't be surprised if they get pushed back again. I realize that they're yeah. trying their best to hold out for a theatrical release, but I think at some point you have to bite the bullet and drop those on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. but not at a $30 premium access fee. Yeah, F you, Mulan. So, you know, I have not watched Mulan yet. Uh, so I can't really speak to it that much if it's worth I don't think it's worth paying th- I, I don't think it's worth me pay I, me paying thirty dollars when I have the service already you know what I'm saying right I, yeah that's not, absolutely you know I'm paying the service already so you know I should be I should be a premier access customer already and mm-hmm. that's where I'm gonna stop on that so but we'll yeah. see uh, so Derek um Blade One, I think it's consensus between two of us is the best of them. Agreed. And it just kind of falls off from there, just yeah. just slowly falls off. Well, actually, just well, it's, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's the law of diminishing returns. Yeah. yeah. You know they they couldn't find a way to keep the character. I don't want to say relevant, but fresh. they they couldn't fresh. Yeah, fresh is the best word for it. 
And so when you're going, when you're recycling the same old tropes and the same old stories and and the same beats, you're just dress, you're trying to dress it up different. So you you know thinking that maybe the viewer won't won't pay attention to it. Well, trust me, Jack, they're going to pay attention mm-hmm. to it. You just gotta you just can't do stuff like that. Well, so and on top of that, when you have something that hits like the first one did. And really, when you think about it, I I think it's I think it was a lightning in a bottle situation. Yeah, hundred percent. And so it's hard to replicate that. I think they did a a good job with the second one. We won't talk about the third one, but like that first one, I mean, wow! Like I said, to this day, I can remember sitting in the theater, uh, like losing my mind for that opening bloodbath scene. You know, yeah. Whereas the second one, to this day, I can remember sitting in a theater with you and my buddy and a bazillion other people. That's the first thing that comes. Yeah, to I was going to say, you know, for the for Blade Two. <laughs> yeah, which you know, yeah, I was going to say we were losing our mind on that one, but it was holy crap. We're going to have to clean up after yes, this. Yes, we do not have any floor <laughs> workers here, but we're going to have to find some to clean up this mess. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, that's it for that, Derek. Um, thank you for coming on for that. Um, before we get out of here, um, as I do weekly, um, I have a couple little things. Uh, first up, Derek, we have a thing. I think you were here for before. It is a what we like to call a geek moment in history. Okay. Um, I have pulled up some, and I pulled up one specifically for you. Um, surprisingly, on this day, there was quite a few things that happened. Uh, on this day, Sammy Hager was born. Uh, oh, of not only Van Halen but Montrose and Solo fame. Uh, R.I.P. Eddie Van Halen again. Yeah, um, yeah, for real. R.I.P. Eddie Van Halen. Sammy Hager. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, was the man. Uh, I was a huge Van Halen fan, but I really got to know Van Halen through the Sammy Hager. Uh, uh, Van Hager, I guess you'd call it, is what everybody likes to call it. But, um, man, the dude was just money. Still is to this day. So you had that. Uh, also on this day, uh, the Fabulous Baker Boys was released in 1989. Uh, Jeff wow. Bridges and Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, I remember watching this movie as a kid and hating it. With yeah. my parents, uh, I've watched it recently, and it is a good movie. I will say that. Um, and this one, let's see, yes, this one's for you, Derek. Um, on this day in 1989, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers was released. <laughs> yeah. So, just real quick, we're going to move on. I will say this. Halloween is the best one of the whole franchise. The original Halloween, 1978, John Carpenter Halloween, the best. Uh-huh. Obviously, yeah. we all know that. I, 100%. I personally like Halloween 2 as well. Um, I see them as a continuation. I really put them together. I, I prefer myself to watch them as one movie because really it just picks up, you know, right after the end of Halloween. Halloween 3, I do not like. Uh, I'm starting to think I am in the minority on this. I do not like that movie mm-hmm. at all. But my, my, you know, my true introduction to Michael Myers and the Halloween franchise was Halloween 4 and 5 as a kid. Okay. I was always scared to watch the original Halloween for the longest time because the dude, I mean, it's Halloween. It was, you know, it just freaked me out. 
So these these two movies, these two hold a special place in my heart. Uh, they were what really turned me on to Halloween, surprisingly. Just wanted to get that out there. They're not that good, don't get me wrong, but you know, <laughs> I'm just saying, if it hadn't been for these movies, I may not have ever gone back and experienced one of the, if not the greatest slasher flicks ever made. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, I have to give it its props. I, again, it's not that good. Don't get me wrong, but it'll always hold that little place in my heart. Thank you, Halloween 4 and 5. I was trying to remember the, what, four, what the subtitle was, and I can't right now. Uh, what was it? Was it the, uh, the Curse of Michael? No, that's fine. Never, I ain't even going to it. Never mind. I'm moving on. Halloween 4. We're just doing this for the money. That's pretty much. So there's that. Uh, the Return of Michael Myers. Thank you, Return. The Curse. No, I'm not going to start. I'm not going to get into it right now. We'll move on because <laughs> here's another one for you. How big a fan of uh, John Travolta were you back in, say, 1989? Uh, did, you even know, not a, did you even know of John Travolta in 1989? Uh, maybe. Maybe from Greece. Oh, no, it wouldn't have been from Greece. What happened in 1989? What, I can tell you what, if what I about, remember John Travolta. What about Kirstie Alley? Look who's talking, baby. There you go. The yes, original sir. Look Who's Talking was released on this day in 1989. I still remember that movie for one thing, when the kid's sitting there and just saying boobies and looking at <laughs> Kirstie Alley. I don't know what it is, but that's what I remember. I haven't watched that movie in a long time. so but I haven't either. That is it, Derek, for all the um, geek moments that I could pull up at the moment, just some quick ones. So I have one last thing I like to do now. I don't know if you've heard or not, but I have this wonderful book. It's called The Science Fiction and Fantasy Quiz Book. Okay. I don't know if you were here. Were you here for one before? I cannot remember. Uh, I don't think okay. so. Okay. So what I do is I open this quiz book up. I give you the option of taking an easy, a medium, or a hard question. Okay. And I will let you choose. Would you prefer easy, medium, or hard? <sighs> Man, I, I'll tell you this. I'll tell home, you this. Baby. I would go hard because the, the easy and medium are not too terribly bad at all. Yeah, let's go hard all day, all night. Okay. <laughs> so, I have opened up to a random page. Uh, pick a number between 1 and 10, my friend. 3. Number 3. Okay. According to, to Star Trek The Next Generation, which ship was Jean-Luc Picard's first command? Was it A, the USS Stargazer? B, USS Constellation, C, USS Exerter, or D, USS Lexington? Uh, I'm sorry. Give me those one more time. A, the Stargazer, B, Constellation, C, Exeter, and D, Lexington. Um, A, Stargazer. Final answer. Uh, I am... Uh, trying to find the answer as we speak because they make it really difficult to do. But if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to say you were right. You said yeah. A, the Stargazer? Yes, sir. You are correct, my friend. You Woo. have won this week's science fiction and fantasy quiz book yes. challenge. Uh, Derek. I'm the smartest man alive. Until next week, and then we try yeah. again. But for this week, yeah. you are the smartest man, at least on this podcast, because it's definitely not me. Um, <laughs> all right, Derek, 
thank you again for being on here. Um, as always, it's a pleasure when I get to talk to you uh, either in person or on here because we don't get to see each other that much. Um, I really do appreciate you coming on, as I said, and dropping some Blade knowledge for us. Um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your podcast and where they can find it or the best place to find it. Yeah, so Sauce of the Scary drops uh, most every week on all of your favorite platforms that you find podcasts, uh, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, of course, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're everywhere. Just just go to your favorite podcasting pa- platform and type in Sauce of the Scary. And uh, we try to every week – Dive, uh, do a deep dive onto a movie or television series revolving around the horror genre. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, this week we're going to start uh, our two-part series on the haunting of Bly Manor, and uh, very excited to talk to Jeff about that. Uh, Jeff and I actually didn't get a chance to do one last week because uh, Jeff was on vacation and I was celebrating my birthday, so we took last week off. So it'll be good to to talk to my buddy this week and and get everything going again. So saw something scary. And uh, we would love to have you guys take a listen. Awesome. Thank you, Derek. Uh, as always, you can find us on all the podcast streaming sites out there. And please make sure and rate and review us, not only on Apple Podcasts, but on any of the streaming sites you use. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you haven't joined the Facebook group yet, you can search for us uh, at from Ramblings from Nowhere. I forgot what I was saying there for a minute. Uh, also, in that same vein... <laughs> Uh, saw something scary has a group page on Facebook as well, right, Derek? Yeah, we saw something scary yes. on Facebook. So why don't you just search both those out and join both of them and enjoy the craziness that ensues on both of them. Over on the saw something one, there is some great conversations going on all the time. Uh, I was trying to think of the last one I had gotten involved in, and it slipped my mind. I think it's because I'm getting tired. Because I've kept this going too long, I apologize. <laughs> uh, but right. uh, you can find us on Twitter at From Ramblings and on Instagram it's RFN underscore podcast. Also, don't forget to send in those emails with any questions or comments to RFN podcast one at gmail dot com. Uh, Derek, you talked about the saw something scary uh, stuff. Uh, where can people find you on the social medias? Uh, man, everything's at Derek Zoo, D-E-R-I-K-Z-O-O, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat if you're nasty, uh, <laughs> all that good stuff. So so hit me up and uh, would love to talk to you more about Blade or would love to talk to you more about pro wrestling or whatever the situation is. But, yeah, everything's at Derek Zoo. Awesome. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at Jason76Z. Uh, Derek, uh, again, thank you for coming on. I hope that we will be able to get together before too long and begin our massive MCU retrospective that we keep talking about uh, at some point. So with that, we are out. <laughs>